0: Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth.
1: And we knew you'd come back. Thank you very much. The Advertising Show... It's brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at com. the advertising show. A big Radio Midgets production. Uh, <laughs> Millifer Merchant, our special guest today. CEO of Rubicon Consulting out of uh, a suburb of San Francisco this weekend here at the Advertising Show. We've got uh, Jean Bliss with us again. Her brand-new feature, the customer experience, and she's going to talk about human duct tape. Okay? <laughs> so that'll be real interesting as well. See the bank robber that... Uh, Taped himself with duct tape so he wouldn't be noticed. That's got a hurt coming off. Patrick Meyer, the Marketing Insider, is with us here in just a few moments, and as a feature, it's called "X Marks the Spot." So Nilfer, a little bit later on for three segments, and a whole bunch of other great stuff as well on the Advertising Show.
2: Yeah, and it should be a great interview with uh, Nellifer Bright, Bright Lady. You may have seen her article in Advertising Age magazine. I say article, it was really a column. And speaking of advertising, Ray, I need to plug this. I seem to be full of plugs these last couple of shows. Uh, They
1: look good, too.
2: Well, thank you. Oh, you mean the hair. I see. Uh, Adam Salicuse, CEO of All Terrain. He was a guest here on the show many, yes, uh, a yes. few months ago. Uh, well, they're going to be doing some guerrilla marketing for the advertising show, and this week is Advertising Week NYC, September 24th through 28th, so this program will have just uh, aired, I guess, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, Lead, uh, the week uh, of 24 through 28, the, right. the Sunday prior. And so if you're just tuning in and you saw uh, uh, saw something about the advertising show on a on a guerrilla marketing uh, alternative media effort that's being made in New York City during Advertising Week, we'd like to welcome you uh, to the advertising show. And we'd more importantly like to thank the fine folks at All Terrain. Uh, and if you want to learn more about All Terrain, it's A-L-T, Alt Terrain, T-E-R-R-A-I-N.com. And what a wonderful company, Ray. Great, great people. There are sponsors
1: that uh, have to spell uh, what we do. Uh, That's great. I like that. Yeah. Well, Well, no, that's that's fantastic. (laughs) It's it's exactly. Where's that picture at again? Yes. I think we need a studio webcam. I think it'd be great. No thanks. Well, looking at you right
2: now, that that, uh, teeth whitener is really working. It's working well. Thank
1: you. It's made by Crest, okay? Product placement. (laughs) Nielsen is offering agencies keeping track monitoring service. Well, that's a good thing. They're shopping its uh, just-developed ad monitoring service to agencies and other clients. Uh, Keeping Track offers daily daily verification that an advertiser's TV spots have not just aired, but also when and where they ran. Uh, for years, advertisers had complained about the lag between uh, when their TV ads aired and the post-run analysis had verified not only that they ran, but they did run at the Times and the programs and yada, yada, yada. I hmm. uh, I think it's interesting. It's Nielsen believes its new service addresses those concerns. Advertisers and agencies are much more attuned to accountability issues now. Well, it's about doggone time. Yeah, and it was basically the industry coming to us and saying, "If you can encode programs for your rating service, why can't you encode commercials for verification?" Well, obviously, that seems like one of those things. Like uh, you, you hit Duh. yourself in the head and say. Why didn't I think of that? That, that right. absolutely makes, uh, you know, makes, makes a lot of sense. They worked with the Aegis Group uh, to develop the service. Um, uh, the product is state-of-the-art. Well, I hope yeah. so. But well, it
2: verifies, you're saying it just verifies that you're spot ran, You get, a credit, you get uh, accountability, basically, for performance. Exactly. I yeah. mean,
1: some stations are going to give you the, uh, you know, give you your yeah, schedule. But, yeah, but, uh But apparently this gives it a lot quicker. It, it would make sense at least. And how many times, how many times does a traffic department screw up a schedule?
2: Uh, uh, about as often as one would run, unless it's just, you know, two spots. <laughs> then you've got a 50-50 chance. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you just mentioned about Nielsen's new product offerings, and yeah. they're, they're in the mix with uh, Arbitron right now, and Arbitron's. Uh, out there offering new product offerings as well. And it's interesting to watch from the sidelines that Nielsen and Arbitron both uh, heating up a little bit, I think, in the area of... uh, And and it's just happening recently, which is real peculiar, I think, because Mm -hmm. it's not like new technology in a lot of cases, Mm -hmm. as you pointed out, Ray. But... uh, Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think I read the other day where Arbitron's offering uh, some uh, in-store analytics as well. So uh, whatever. Uh, The technology is
1: there. There's no reason why you can't take advantage of that kind of stuff. Patrick Meyer is here on the advertising show, our marketing insider, and uh, this one is called X Marks the Spot. Welcome
3: to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer.
4: There's this amazing phenomena going on in client land. It's a big black egg stamped on the forehead of chief marketing officers and smart marketers that work for them. It's something I'm seeing that I'm propagating and all of us that now have believed for years. It's experiential marketing. But no, not as you know it. Most people think experiential is doing cool events. Now, experiential marketing is putting a bit of experience into every marketing element. Before I go any further, let me tell you, this freaks out your CFO. The idea of trying to create an experience every place the brand is can be more expensive because it takes more time and more effort, more agency effort, but it's where you need to be. So as soon as you hear experiential marketing, think, do less better, but do it with impact. Here's a new way to think about your marketing components by putting big X into each one of them, making them more experiential. If you're doing TV, make sure that you've got SMS, website, digital crawl, something to get the consumer involved. Going after reach and frequency and eyeballs is outdated, doesn't work. Involve them in a different way. Be more innovative with your media and TV. In radio, how do you get people as they're driving along to call with their cell phone to get information or do something that will take action and have an experience coming back to them? Next place, print. How do you bring more dimension, more involvement through innovation and creativity to your print? Your brand package, if you have one, however you're or served up, how do you reinvent that experience to make it more fun? Thinking about ways to make your brand more alive, more experiential. Another way is to let consumers customize your product. Big theme for marketers and advertisers should be my product. How can I customize it? Can I pick out different versions to take home? How can I make my own product? How can it become mine? I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember the marketing revolution is now
3: you've been listening to the marketing insider heard every week here on the advertising show join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing
1: as always great to have patrick on the advertising show uh, Nilifer Merchant is our special guest, and Nilifer has a really cool bio. I want to take a moment to uh, to at least start in the bio, then we can do successive uh, things as we introduce her for each segment. Uh, Nilifer is a consultant, writer, and conference speaker, and the CEO and founder of Rubicon Consulting, a strategy and marketing consultancy designed specifically for the needs of tech companies. She and her team of principals and staff have launched about a hundred products, created of five develop- developer platforms, designed eighteen channel vendor programs have run numerous user influencer marketing initiatives and defined more than 30 new markets by the time rubicon was founded in 99 merchant had accrued 15 plus years of operational experience and key leadership positions at uh, places like apple autodesk and go live Uh, she also uses her expertise to design industry leading go-to market programs and has won awards from crn uh, far Business and the Marketing Association of both Marketing and Channel Development. She's also a contributor for, uh, for Advertising Age as well. It, and it mm. goes on, okay? Yeah. Suburb of San Francisco, that's where she's hanging out this weekend because it's a good place. Yeah. But uh, we'll have Vanilla for on in just a, a few moments here. Yeah, you
2: know, other than that, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's just winging it, yeah, she, it sounds she like.
1: She has to make up her mind and get mm-hmm. a job that, you know, that pays good and, and do something like
2: that. But. Put that experience to work somehow. U.S. ad spending, uh, Ray, totaled $72.5 billion in the first half of the year, down 0.3% from the uh, same period last year, according to TNS uh, Media Intelligence, for the first time since 2001, media advertising expenditures have declined for two consecutive quarters, according to Stephen F- Fredericks, President CEO of TNS Media Intelligence, and a future guest here on the advertising show, by the way. Mm. Uh, he attributed the decline to a protracted downturn in the automotive industry, as well as overall weakness in ad spending across a wide range of industries. Internet advertising was the leading growth category, no surprise there, Increasing Sharp, by 17%, yeah. uh, to $5.5 billion in the first half, spending in B&B magazines down 7.2% really? in the first half of the year. Yes, Wow. Mm.
1: Radio's playing a big part in the automotive uh, uh, marketing as well. Uh, that, that's up, as I recall, right? Right.
2: Yeah. It is. And uh, newspapers taking a big hit with losing a lot of uh, automotive advertising.
1: And I hate to badmouth newspapers, because newspapers understand that there is a problem, mm-hmm. and... It's going to be a tough one to fix, if indeed there is a fix. Uh, but it's really interesting to see the people hanging on to, uh, uh, to ignoring that uh, possibility that, no, there's no problem with newspapers. <laughs> yeah. The fact that one shuts down every week or so, it's not a good thing. Miller for Merchant out of San Francisco on The
0: Advertising Show coming up next. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth.
1: Welcome back to the Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and a very special guest out of uh, San Francisco or a suburb of San Francisco, Nilifer Merchant, CEO of Rubicon Consulting. Uh, Nilifer, it is so good to have you here. We, thanks for dropping by.
5: Thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, and, uh, you know, every time we have someone on at a, at a high-caliber position such as yourself, which is frequently here on the Advertising Show, we'd like to always get a little glimpse in the day in the life of Nilifer Merchant. So... How's your week been going?
5: Busy, as I think most people would probably say, but interesting. Good client meetings, good discussions, high-level strategies.
2: Give us a sense uh, for our audience that may not be familiar with uh, Rubicon, uh, some of your clients.
5: Uh, we have a wonderful list of high-tech clients, Adobe, Symantec, Logitech, Nokia are all current clients. Wow. Wow. Uh,
2: very impressive, by the way. And I was going to ask, you, you, your your mission statement, Nellifer, says that uh, Rubicon uh, basically works with high-tech companies, and that's a rather broad category, I think. Uh, is there any way that you guys define that, or do you ever go outside of the high-tech category?
5: We don't. We don't go outside high-tech because we're all operational experts in high-tech. The way we get chosen over other vendors is the agile version of McKinsey, McKinsey. Uh, when somebody needs a really complex business problem solved, that's interdisciplinary across the business. So it can be a um, product launch that didn't go well, and it's a huge multi-million-dollar opportunity, and they can't figure out exactly why it hasn't gone well. Or a company needs a brand new product portfolio, fil- you know, design to figure out what customer segment should they target, what should they build next. Um, so they're typically pretty complex business problems that require. You know, some savvy
2: and some brand new, fresh thinking. Well, that's interesting, and we're going to talk about some of the core practices at uh, Rubicon. And you mentioned uh, McKinsey, and uh, those aren't that are not that for those that are listening that may not be familiar with McKinsey. If you ever hire them, that's basically a great big thick white paper and a big invoice at the end of the session. That uh, anyway, we're, we're the wonderful people at McKinsey, very bright people, and I really understand what you're saying that you have. Uh, uh, well, we don't want to we don't want to juxtapose you guys to McKinsey but just the way you describe that there, it uh, really uh, is a great way to differentiate your organization and what you bring to the table. There, uh, l- let's jump into uh, talking a little bit about the realm of online marketing. What changes uh, and what stays the same in two thousand
5: and seven? You know, here's the mistake that companies are doing. They're trying to use online marketing because it's so cool and hip to produce or pursue, excuse me, traditional marketing goals. They're trying to think of things like awareness, consideration, things that people have typically tried to do with things like newspapers and thinking, okay, how do I do that online? But the reality is traditional marketing was shaped by one-way mass media. Things like advertising affected a push model, and the Internet enables something that we haven't been able to do before. We can do two-way communications. And that allows us to change what is it we can actually even accomplish online. And that's the piece that I really want people to get between sort of old and new is that we can't keep trying to do the same old thing with this new tool because we can actually do something brand new.
2: And how do you think marketers are are doing today? I I, I hear you loud and clear, and it seemed like in a lot of cases uh, uh, marketers were bringing traditional marketing strategies to an online platform, if you will. Uh, how are we doing so far and how you just described it?
5: Well, so I think, I think people got over the whole, are we trying to do the same thing? And generally they're, they're getting over that. But here's what's going on inside the companies at high-tech firms when my friends and clients talk about it. A vice president of a major division or GM walks into the director of advertising's office and says, hey, there's this viral video out there, and it's way cool. Or there's this celebrity marketing out there, and it's way cool. Let's do that. And you know what? All those people still have to be accountable for. They have to be accountable for results. And so what's difficult to measure in the new goal of online marketing is what are we really trying to do, and therefore how should we measure it? So I have a hypothesis. You're supposed to ask me what is the hypothesis.
2: Well, I'm glued to you. I'm hanging on every word. I you thought, you thought you were going to d- give it to
1: us, but that's fine. You just set
2: it up. <laughs> Go for it.
5: <laughs> uh, I think the goal of online marketing isn't awareness anymore. It isn't the traditional things we've measured. I think it's about engagement. And so the way you measure how customers are involved with your company, with your products, your people, how well they know it, how well the values and services come through, effectively the experience of the product along with the relationship with the company is what we can now do online.
2: And how do you quantify engagement and how do you measure it?
5: Yeah, so if everyone knew that answer, I'd be paid a lot more than I actually am today. Well,
2: I mean, Um, you've set up a great question, I ask it, and then you don't have an answer. I don't understand this now. I
5: actually think that's the big question is how do we measure it? Is it about brand affinity as one measure or proxy? Is it about customer loyalty? Is it about brand perception, sort of a 360-degree perception of how we're perceived as a company? And I'm not sure I know the answer as much as I know that what it is we've actually been looking to accomplish online has to change
2: and and what it's not is uh what uh, page views and, and exactly. hits and this kind of thing yep. it's not
5: about clicks it's not about page views it's not about we got 2,000 people to re, you know see this video it's about are those 2,000 people more connected to our company and so engagement maybe can be broken down in a couple ways uh, again maybe not as metrics but as some characteristics um our customers Do they have more affinity with your company? Um, I've seen great companies do things like uh, the chewing gum company, Wrigley's, has a website where you can actually go and talk about uh, chewing gum in a context of games. And they've actually figured out a way to reach teenagers and young adults who really are the target population of chewing gum to come and, and actually engage with them on an audience. And other companies have figured out how to do co-creation. A uh, great company out there called Threadless, Threadless.com is the website, and they found a way to get customers highly engaged in what they actually create. Think about what they're doing. A t-shirt company, whoever thought you could make money on t-shirts, they found a way to get designers to submit ideas, creative designs, that people then vote on, and they effectively pre-order how many t-shirts to make of what size.
2: Hmm.
5: And they have That's 100%... Int- through I'm because sorry. they've actually created engagement in the product by co-creating that product together
2: yeah and we're going to talk a little more about co-creation which is a great uh, a great topic and a lot uh, are doing that today many are not surprisingly frankly uh, you know you, you suggest all companies ask themselves do you have a relevant web strategy is there a particular uh, checklist Nellifer, or specific questions one should be asking themselves for this answer
5: Yeah, I think there is a a couple things that you should be trying to accomplish. One is really think about what is it you're doing to produce engagement. Are you creating a deeper relationship? Are you showing your true personality of your company online so that customers can effectively interact with your company emotionally and rationally, which is a whole new thing we haven't been able to do before? Are you leveraging community? as a way of engaging social interaction between you and your users so that the people who can advocate for you um, start sharing why they love you and becoming fans can go out and spread the word. Are you doing that?
1: Interesting. We're going to take a break here, Nillifer. Nillifer Merchant, our special guest, CEO of Rubicon Consulting, Inc. out of San Francisco with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here on the advertising show, being powered by Shippel.com. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com with a program called Tendency. Check it out. Uh, Back in just a minute with more with Ray and Brad.
3: To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit iwantmedia.com.
0: Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show.
1: Only maybe in some parts of the country this weekend is it raining and you don't need your overcoat because it's still nice and hot out there. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. Nilifer. Merchant is our special guest out of San Francisco, CEO of Rubicon Consulting. And Nilifer, we know you're having a good time on the show. Welcome back. Nice to have you here.
2: Yeah, and i got to tell you, both Ray and I were talking off the air, very impressed with not only you, Nellifer, as CEO of the company, but uh, RubiconConsulting.com. Find out more about the company. Outstanding credentials, uh, your staff and and team there. uh, Great company, and you certainly know that by the company you keep, that being your clients. You say companies often have way too many communication channels, Nellifer, and, and don't enable conversations with consumers. Now, certainly we understand what too many communication channels means. But are are you saying that uh, difficulty with staying on message or just the sheer volume of communication channels that creates the problem?
5: You know, I think it's more about how we're the same person across different channels. So if I am a person that knows people at church and at work and with my friends, I'm still the same person. And sometimes companies try to become different people as they deal with their press, their analysts, their customers, their blah, blah, blah. And what I'm actually suggesting is we need to get really in an integrity and figure out who we are at our very core and then message the heck out of that instead of trying to be many things to many people. Because in, in this new day and age, people can compare notes pretty easily and the brand can get either diluted or affirmed in the process.
2: You know, I, I, I get a sense from uh, hearing a lot of your answers today that research has got to play a, a, a very important role in what you guys do. Is that, is that true?
5: It is true. We, um, we do research almost in everything we do, mostly because first we've got to figure out when we're working with clients, what is it the real problem they need solved? Not the one they necessarily call us in for, but the fundamental thing they have to solve with their company in order to move forward. And then once we have that and we have an understanding of what that elephant, let's say, looks like in the room, then we've got to know, okay, what question do we need to ask and answer in order for us to be able to solve that problem? And that's usually where research comes
2: in. You know, we talk to a lot of uh, innovative marketers and and branding experts here on the show. And and when we talk about research, I think a lot of our listeners may... Gravitate to traditional research uh, strategies and technology, and, and others may be thinking a little more cutting edge. Uh, certainly, Ray and I do. Uh, what are you doing from a research standpoint, Nellifer, that is uh, a bit out there, you know, not your typical, you know, focus group?
5: You know, uh, we, we do the whole qualitative, quantitative kinds of research, of course. One of the things we're doing lately is doing a pulse of the market kind of research where we're just dropping in a couple questions every few weeks and finding out what people are thinking. So the last piece of research we just did was, uh, it, it literally just got fielded this week, was on how much people are living online versus offline and for what applications are they um, you know, doing online versus offline. So kind of think about it as packet software versus Gmail. And, uh, and what we were really surprised by is 60% of what consumers are doing today is online. 60%, I didn't expect that number to be so high. So what we do is we look at that and then we go do some qualitative research behind it to go find out what's going on in the minds and hearts of consumers. So that when we actually go back to our customers, we're giving them some insight and perspective they didn't have before.
2: So what is your methodology for your pulse of the market uh, research?
5: In that case, we're actually just doing a quant piece of research. We usually go to two or 3,000 US households and do a panel. Uh, and and that's our way of getting a pulse of what people are thinking of. But each time, what we're looking for is uh, a different range of questions. Uh, if, you know, I think one of the things about methodology is quite often the methodology can work across different companies. It's whether or not you're asking the right question that can mm-hmm. change the outcome. So a lot of what we do on our team is to vet a question and make sure it's the right set of questions. We have a process on our team that we call a murder board process. Um, It sounds so mean, right, to to say that you're going to murder board something. But what we actually do is we take almost any idea that we're going to go out and do for our clients or for ourselves as we're doing research and say, what is the best way we can form this? So whoever the champion is on the team has to put that out there. And then everyone else gets to test it, build on it, and in some cases kill it, in order to come up with a better idea. And uh, and that's what we go out to field with. So we really spend some time making sure we're asking the right questions.
2: Hmm. well don 't go online looking for Charles Manson research company because i don 't think it exists, that's but uh, that 's an interesting concept. We have about a minute left the here
5: behind-the-scenes thing we do our clients actually never really know that we spend that much time doing
2: that kind of <laughs> development and, and time well spent i 'm sure less than a minute left here. Talk a little bit about how a company can make the shift from too many communication channels to enabling conversations with their customers.
5: I think the first thing they can do is talk about talk with key influencers. You know, we've always had influencers in the market, people who maybe went to church and said what they liked in terms of barbecue units. And today we have the Internet where people can really have a huge bullhorn put to their mouth, talk about what are they buying, why are they buying it, and what they think about a company. And what companies really need to do is figure out how to harness that group of people who are already talking about them.
1: There you go. Good note to end this segment on with Nilla from Merchant. Our special guest on the advertising show, CEO of Rubicon Consulting. It's RubiconConsulting.com. That's the website. We've got another segment uh, and uh, an opportunity to find out a little bit more about what uh, uh, what happens out there in San Francisco as well. With Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show.
3: How can 18 different companies all sell the exact same thing known as water? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most thought-provoking, groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. Your job demands you not only have good ideas, but great ideas. And those great ideas have to start somewhere. And that somewhere is in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. How can you get someone's attention if you don't have $10 million in a celebrity endorsement? It starts here, in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most innovative and groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. The next big idea demands out-of-the-box thinking. Start your search for greatness in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com.
0: Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is the Advertising Show.
6: Mm.
0: I love the sound of the rain. Mm. And I love the taste of your fresh fruit coffee. Oh, thanks, but it's not fresh fruit. It's new tray cap.
1: Welcome back to The Advertising Show. Ray Shillens, Brad Forsyth, Nilifer Merchant, our special guest out of San Francisco, the CEO of Rubicon Consulting, Inc. And, uh, Nilifer, it's uh, great to have you on the show. Welcome back. Thanks.
2: She she didn't say that very believably, did she, Ray? (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Maybe she fell asleep. There you go. You know, if our listeners could only hear what we talk about during the breaks. Uh, Anyway, uh, where we left off, uh, thank God I make notes of this for for not during the breaks, but where we left off, Nilifer, we were talking about uh, how important it is for companies to use its influencers. So I'm curious, how do you tell the difference between just your everyday customer and an influencer?
5: That's a great question. That really is. Because influencers are fundamentally special people. And, and uh, just so I don't uh, confuse them, they're not like the short bus to school kind of special. They are the alpha crowd. And they are people who fundamentally have an opinion about a great deal of things. Uh, and they fit a certain psychographic profile. They are typically engaged members of their communities. They typically are above 75K in the U.S., they are typically religious. Um, so there's, there's certain profile of who meets an influencer profile. What's most interesting about them is that they actually want to he- have their opinion known. And so they are people who do research. They're effectively like the mavens in a community. They want to know a lot about stuff, and then they want to be able to share that information with the idea um, that their opinion matters. And so for any one particular product category... What they look like and feel like might be different, but their common psychographic is people who desire to be heard, who are really active, engaged members of local communities.
2: And it's best to figure out not only who they are, which through your description I think is pretty. I'm going to say it's really easy, but it certainly get what you're saying there. And it's to leverage uh, those individuals. And I would assume we're kind of transition that into co-creation for a moment. I, w- I would assume that these are the individuals that you're engaging with for a company to 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 enable a company. I guess I should say to to do what they can for a bit of a co-creation strategy. Touch on that for a moment, if I'm understanding that correctly.
5: Yeah, so so here's the thing about influencers. They're fundamentally conduits of information. They know a lot of people. They're in contact with a lot of ideas. So then when you combine that group of people who have a great deal of desire to share their knowledge and they're often thinking about your market or product or whatever, and you kind of plug that into what it is you're doing, you can get them to start building the thing that really matters for the market. That's that's the value of co-creation. So... uh, uh,
2: are, there, are there companies or categories of businesses that are more uh, set up to benefit from a co-creation strategy?
5: You know, I think there's a, a couple really interesting companies that have been doing it um, online, but I think any company can figure out how to harness users. So here's, here's a couple different ways companies can harness users. One certainly is to co-create products, and I use my spreadlist example. as my favorite one because T-shirts are just such a fun way of harnessing the everyday user. Um, Another one is we've seen companies in the Web 2.0 space especially, but even more traditional companies like Microsoft, figure out how to do localization software. Uh, 37 Signals, for example, has produced a great deal of their software in English themselves, but throughout the world with customers for no fee whatsoever. And they really Mm -hmm. figured out how to harness their community of people who care about their product. WordPress is a company that has figured out how to do customer support completely. Online, And then there's this really traditional firm that I, I find rather amusing because I'm such a loyal customer. They're called Sierra Snowboards. And here in California, um, and it, it's positioned in an area called Sacramento, and which is not exactly in the center of any place. And, and I'm sorry for any Sacramento people who are hearing that. Um, but, but there's this company there called Sierra Snowboards, which started off as a local snowboard company, has figured out how to get community members to give advice about products. So here's another way to harness your users. Uh, grandma can write in saying, hey, I'm thinking about buying a skateboard for you know my grandson, Scotty. And people will give advice about what is his usage, where will he most likely ski, um, how advanced, how athletic is he, and therefore what product can you buy. And they've found a way to harness users in a completely different way, but really about advocacy, which I think is an interesting way to co-create a brand. Sierra Snowboards has found a way to tap into a bunch of people's interests so they can grow their business. Smart. Yeah.
1: Turn it around, smart. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Nillifer Merchant, our guest. And, and Nillifer, we're out of time, unfortunately. It's been a great conversation.
5: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: RubiconConsulting.com is the place. Check it out if you get a chance this week and, and uh, see what they do as well. But it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show. We've got one more segment, and we'll do that in just a minute.
0: You're listening to the advertising show with Ray Schillens and Brad
5: Forsyth.
3: Here are some most happy fellas, the four lads for four. Standing on the corner.
1: One more segment of The Advertising Show and a chance to spend a little more time with you this weekend at uh, theadvertisingshow.com. Always a great destination, uh, whether it's the weekend or the weekday. And, of course, because all of these uh, shows that we've done for the past several years are are loaded and uh, you know, ready to listen to on the site, you've got uh, an opportunity to spend quite a bit of time there as well. Gene Bliss is our customer experience uh, feature and uh, brand new to the show. Uh, Gene is talking uh, this this uh, week about human duct tape, hmm. but before we go to, I, I don't think you'd find duct tape at Neiman Marcus. No, but if it, if it did, it would be really nice duct tape. Yes, uh, Neiman Marcus has turned one hundred, and uh, basically what the uh, folks say they've turned a hundred, and they never looked so good. Uh, the uh, the gentleman uh, Stanley. Uh,
2: Hi, this is Stanley, Stanley. Marcus.
1: Stanley sold shoes, no. But he yeah, says if you sell, this is sat-
2: expensive stuff we've got here.
1: <laughs> yeah, looking yes. in the clearance rack, there things are like still in the three figures. If you <laughs> yeah. sell satisfaction, people will come back to you. Marcus said, and here's some other things. He said it started in Dallas, and he said he he w- once said he doubted the store's remarkable success could have happened anywhere but Texas,
4: mm-hmm. where the
1: oil business created instant millionaires. True. Excuse me, with a hunger for luxury goods. Here's another point. It stuck to its roots. Even after Neiman Marcus merged with uh, Carter Hawley Hale in 69 and was acquired by Boston-based General Cinnamon in 87, the headquarters remained in Dallas. Uh, basically, they stayed the course. Oh, I shouldn't say that. It stayed hip, but not too hip. The store has always championed new designers, but has never veered uh, to the outer fringes of fashion. It has snob appeal, yet mm-hmm. remains aspirational. Uh, So basically, uh, to commemorate, um, what they did is they featured a wide array of special limited edition merchandise, no doubt expensive, including clothing, jewelry, and more from the major designers. And uh, shoppers got uh, free samples of the store's uh, famous chocolate chip cookies and a whole bunch more. So it's kind of cool. So happy birthday to Neiman Marcus.
2: And with Uh, a plug like that, I'm sure they're taking at least half your uh, statement and reducing it.
1: (laughs) Reducing
2: it. You know, you, you mentioned that. Stanley Marcus, of course, everybody knows him from, yeah. from Dallas and the founder, as you pointed out. But you, it made me realize it's like, who's Neiman? Who's Roebuck? You know, who, who, you get these names. That's it's, right.
1: It's Montgomery. You know the Ford. old
2: story about Lord and Taylor, don't you? Uh, no, no. The, the the department store was originally named Taylor, and then they had the fire in Chicago, mm-hmm. and he put the name—it's it, a religious thing and has to do with Lord, oh, really? and he put it ahead of that. Yeah, it's a, you would think it was like Jack Lord or somebody. Yeah. Not Jack Lord the actor, the but, but, you know, some down. person named Lord, but— Real quickly, Ray, do we have time or you need to get to Jean? Well, let's Let's get to
1: Gene. We'll we'll get okay. to your point in just a moment. Gene Bliss, yeah. the customer experience here on the advertising show. Let's listen. Welcome to the customer experience,
3: making customers your true priority for a profitable outcome. With your host, author, speaker, consultant, and customer crusader, Gene Bliss.
6: One reason we were loved at Land's End was that our customers felt continuity in our experience. They loved us because we respected them and their time. And that translated consistently no matter what part of the organization they came in contact with. The fact of the matter is that it's the unusual organization that's set up to let people think and act collectively on behalf of customers. We're stuck in our silos, making independent decisions and often taking our isolated actions. That's why I've come to characterize the customer experience work as akin to becoming human duct tape. A big part of the job is to put people together to improve experiences, and that's just plain unnatural inside many organizations. To help your company along in duct-taping itself together, first, instead of projects, think stages of the customer experience. Second, duct-tape marketing, sales, operations, and finance to work on experience improvements collectively, and third, create shared performance metrics. This is Gene Bliss reminding you that your customers are the most valuable asset of your business.
3: This has been your weekly installment of the Customer Experience with Gene Bliss. Directing transformational customer insights from major U.S. market leaders, Gene is corporate America's change agent for a new inspirational understanding of today's consumer. To learn more about Gene's books and speaking engagements or simply how to drive customer profitability for your
1: company, log on to CustomerBliss.com. There you go. Thank you, Gene. Thanks for being a part of the advertising show, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And uh, you were talking about, what was that to
2: you? Yeah, you know, we just passed 9-11 a few weeks ago, and we saw all the specials and everything. And right. I thought there was a good reminder about, you know, how far we've come since the days that you would actually wave and help somebody in New York City. And we don't have much of a... a, a attention span anymore because of all the technology and information and That's so forth fact. and i think you know it's been pointed out that uh you know we've kind of forgotten of what we learned back in nine eleven. i think but yeah. anyway uh, a company called lockdownalert.com says it will immediately notify p- parents when a child's school is locked down for any reason remember when you when deliberately dropping your pencil ray to catch a quick look yeah. at your neighbor girl's legs was right, you know, right. about the most exciting thing that happened when you were in now school. Now we have
1: lockdowns.
2: Lockdownalert.com says they'll hit you with an email or call you or send you a text message on your mobile uh, letting you know when your child's school has been locked down. Now, here's an example of, you know, filling a customer need, right? In order to get parents, you know, all buzzed about this and interested, uh, they've uh, compiled a list of recent bizarre lockdowns, and they put it on their site, LockdownAlert.com. So okay. isn't that a sign of the times? Sadly. Sadly, yes. <laughs> My goodness. Isn't that weird?
1: Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> it's very track. weird, wow. yeah. Wow times they aren't changing. Of course, they always were changing. It's just we're caught up in this particular cycle of those things, I guess. That's true. Alex Van Block is uh, coming up next week. As a matter of fact, Alex, well, you know Alex. He's an entertainment journalist and author and he'll be with us for a couple weeks in a row, uh, it's always fun to talk to Alex. He has just the inside scoop on so many different things, uh, whether it be entertainment or television or whatever. So next week and the following week, you want to make sure to, uh, to, uh, to, to jot it down and make, make a note to tune in as well. Of course, you can catch it on the uh, website as well as a podcast, too. The Advertising Show, brought to you by Advertising Age magazine.
5: Visit them online at adage.com. This is a Big Radio Midgets production.